Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of uh, the Expert to Authority show. My name is Simone Vincenzi. I am your host, and today is all about community building. It's one of the topics that I love the most because, as you know, GTEx, uh, our business, uh, is all about community. It's all about bringing people together. And this is why we're going to explore today. How do you build your community? How do you monetize? How do you keep it engaged? How strategically your community fits into your business? So I cannot wait. I really cannot wait to get started. If you haven't subscribed to the show, make sure you subscribe. Now, in terms of our guests, we are going to talk today about building iconic brands with community-led growth. And Lloyd Lobo is an entrepreneur, a podcast host, and a community builder, experienced the Gulf War as a young refugee in Kauai, and witnessing the strength of community in evacuating the population to safety. As the co-founder of Boast.ai, he leveraged the community-led growth model to bootstrap the company to eight-figure revenues and secure over $100 million in founding while also co-founding Traction, a community empowering over 100,000 innovators through connections, content, and capital. Lloyd has been covered in Fox Business, TechCrunch, SF Business Journals, and several other publications. He's also been a speaker at more than 50 conferences and podcasts, including Saster, Entrepreneur on Fire, Marketing School, Mixergy, G, Tearsheet, MarTech Podcast, and the Success Story. Lloyd, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? That's a grand intro, Simone. I am pumped. I am excited. You know, what's funny is you attract the energy you give out. So by being a fantastic host who has such effect, uh, such infectious energy, you're going to bring out the energy in me. So I'm pumped, man. Thanks for having me. Let's uh, what goes around comes around. Let's get this flow of energy going. So we're going to get started straight away with the first question, which is uh, uh, please share with us a tool or an app or a book, something that you found recently or that you use in your business or in your life that you say, oh my God, people need to know about this. Over to you. Definitely. So we're in this age of, you know, I'm all about talking about community, building community. And one of the key elements of building community is content, right? Without content, you don't have an audience or a community. You have an empty room. And so how do you supercharge your content so you're not saying the same thing over and over and over again on different channels? So there's two tools I use. One is eWebinar. You know, we, you and I, we host a lot of webinars. We host a lot of podcasts. If you want to put a webinar on steroids and make it evergreen with interactive chat and, and notes and everything combined in one place, supercharge your webinar. So you don't do the same boring webinars over and over again. Check out eWebinar.com. You can always put it on YouTube, but YouTube doesn't you know, give you email addresses. You, you understand what's happening is next year, Google is killing third-party data. With third-party data gone, you have to own your audience. The thing with YouTube and LinkedIn and Facebook and all these social platforms is you don't own your audience. So eWebinar, if you put it on there, you put your podcast recordings, your webinars, the videos, the videos, you can not only make it interactive with notes and questions and polls and everything else like a live webinar is going on, but the most important thing is you can own your audience and collect their emails. And the second tool, which I absolutely love is we host so many of these, right? Like podcasts, webinars, videos. Now, an hour-long piece of content, I'm a big fan of chopping it into multiple different formats. 
So shorts are blowing up. If you see on YouTube, one of the stats is short form content is viewed like 70% more than long form content, but slicing it into like finding the right elements, finding the right perfect snippets is a hard job, right? So video.ai, that's V-I-D-Y-O.ai. If you put a YouTube video or any long video in there, it'll find the perfect elements of the video and snip it up for you in like 20 to 30 clips that you can post on social. And I'm a big fan of, if you have one long piece of content, chop it up, shorts for YouTube shorts, Insta reels, TikTok, Snapchat, even, even for LinkedIn. Then take the text, turn it into tweets and LinkedIn posts. Keep using that content across multiple platforms. So eWebinar, and video.ai are my favorite. Oh my God, why aren't you using these tools? Hey, webinar, video.ai, the links are going to be in the show notes. Uh, check them out. And while you are in the show notes, uh, also check uh, Lloyd's website uh, because it's going to be there and you can see that actually he's launching his new book. So while you're there scrolling the show notes, uh, click the link as well so you can see also what uh, Lloyd has prepared uh, for you. And I have to say that actually Melissa Kwan, the founder of the webinar, also she was on our show. So I'm going to put in the show notes also the link Link of the episode that we did uh, talking about webinars uh, with uh, Melissa. But we, we are here talking about community, Lloyd. And what I want to know from you before we go into strategies of community growth and growth monet and monetization, how did you go, how did you became passionate about the growing communities? What was in you that said, this is going to be the way I'm going to grow my businesses? It's a long personal story, right? And and this personal story dates back to my grandparents. So my grandparents grew up in the slums of India. Well, they made a movie on it. But I grew up in the slums of India. And I was born in Kuwait. My parents were from India. They happened to go to Kuwait. I mean, back in the day, everyone just leaves for better prospects. And they're working in Kuwait. And every summer, I'd go and visit my grandparents. And they lived in the slums. And the beauty of that was the camaraderie and the vibe, right? These were like houses that were made raw, man. Like it's like cement, cement blocks with aluminum roofs. And each house barely could accommodate a few people. Like in, in today's time, it wouldn't be a, a fit for a bedroom for maybe a couple, right? Like a master bedroom. But my grandparents had 10 kids and 10 kids were living in there. And what would happen was it's such a community vibe, maybe, you know, one or in, on every like corner, one or two homes, uh, slum homes would have a TV. And so everyone's watching TV together every, every evening when the show comes on or a movie of the week comes on. There are other people who are hanging by the window outside watching, playing games together, socializing. There was one time and every, every of these slums will have a, it's called a tabella. I don't know how to describe it in English, but it's a cow shed where they, you can get fresh milk. And one day I went there and I, I was in love with the calf. So I started yanking it to take it home. And the, and the guy, the owner, let me have it. And I took it home and I tied it for, for a whole night. I didn't want to let it go. So that was my experience. And it would rain and it would flood the whole place. And we would jump in the in the puddle and the puddle would actually turn into a pond with dirty, muggy water, but everyone's socializing. If, if somebody's sick, food is coming from next door. So that was real community vibe. 
Then what happened a number of years later is the Gulf War happened in Kuwait in 1990. And I was um, nine years old or something like that. And one morning, my mom wakes me up and says, hey, I don't think you can go back to school. My immediate reaction as a nine-year-old was, I thought I'd failed my fourth grade exam mm. because I went to, I used to procrastinate a lot and I studied for a geography exam, I studied for a math exam and I show up and it's a geo exam, geography <laughs> exam. And she tells me, war has broken out and you can't go to school. My first reaction is, yes, you're never going to find out that I failed. For <laughs> <it."> but, <laughs> but when when it started to sink in, I realized the ramifications of what's happening because you could hear bombings and you could hear screamings outside. And, and, and so I went down the building that day with my dad and we saw other concerned faces like security had lapsed in Kuwait and we didn't know what to do. And so my dad and others, they started talking and somebody's like, Hey, I'm going to guard the building from eight to 12. And then you come down and guard it from 12 to six kind of thing, right? Like scheduling. Mm -hmm. And then somebody else is like, Hey, we'll organize like ration and food supplies. And somebody is like, I'll order like any pharmaceuticals or anything that's needed water, yeah. yada, yada. And this is a time where there was no cell phones. There was no internet. So they were just coordinating. So effectively, what is a community? You have an aspiration or you have a trouble, a piece of problem and you look around, others have the same and you come together to bring it forward, to solve it. And I saw that building, every building became a sub-community and they coordinated one another. The word of mouth spread from building to building to embassies, to countries, and it evacuated the people to safety. That was my second experience with community. And as I was leaving Kuwait, going on this rickety bus, there was a highway of death where buses were bombed. And I'm on this bus and I'm not sure if I'm going to live or die here. My parents you know, should be worried, right? All the, all the older people should be worried and stressed and crying. But they're on this bus going on this highway of death with no certainty, Kuwait to Baghdad to Jordan in the refugee camp. And everyone is singing, man. They're playing the guitar. They're laughing. And I'm like, what is going on here? Like, why are they so happy? And that's when I realized is it's neither the destination nor the journey. It's the companions that matter the most. You could be on a crappy journey on the way to hell, but great companions will be will make it memorable for you. Yeah. And I, I, I got to ask you this. Have you ever been in a situation where you're eating the best food or, or having the best wine or caviar but like with like toxic, crappy people around you and you just want to leave? Have you experienced a situation like that? hundred percent, hundred percent. And I, I completely resonate with what you are saying about the, the people that you surround yourself with. Uh, this becomes your own community. This becomes the people that you lean on when you need, uh, when you need something or when you want to support each other. It makes everything better. Uh, you, can be, you can be in a place uh, and everything can go wrong and you are with the right people. You can always find the magic in that. Exactly. And so I was, I was drawing that parallel to like being in the slums with these people, some of the poorest people, right? And, and every time I'd go there to India to visit, I'd ask my grandfather, because Mumbai, Mumbai is the New York of India, right? Mm -hmm. And I'd ask them like, why do you have these random people staying in your house? Um, and he would say, the only way to have abundance in your life is to help others without expecting anything in return. Mm -hmm. And that was a very profound statement because as I looked at today, all his 10 kids are doing extremely well and nobody's in that slum. Of course, they're living in different parts of the world. Their, their kids and their grandkids are well off. And so experience this Gulf War and, and that was 
a, a wonderful experience. So it became part of my DNA. Two things became part of my DNA, craving uncertainty and risk and craving companionship, doing things together, like bringing people together became part of my DNA because, you know, the summers that I would enjoy the most are spent around people in the slums, moving things forward. And then the Gulf War, I experienced it firsthand. So after we moved to Canada, did engineering in Canada, and then uh, moved to the U.S. because my, my high school sweetheart or my childhood sweetheart, my, my wife now, and I have been dating since our teens, and she was also born and <laughs> raised in Kuwait, and she ended up in the U.S. And, and went to medical school there. So after I finished engineering, I moved to the United States and um, did a, worked at a number of startups, and they all didn't work out. And then one of my best friends from university called me and he's like, hey, I want to do a startup in the research and development tax credit space. It's broken, like globally, hundreds of billions of dollars are given in funding for innovation and product development, but it's a cumbersome application process. It's mm -hmm. prone to frustrating audits and getting the money takes a long time. We should automate this. And what had happened was I had been working at a startup with a toxic founder who was not about people. Right. And so this is the one thing. Anywhere you go, you should align on values. If you don't align on values, yeah. you'll always suffer later. And you always say, I see everyone as a lemon. I want to squeeze as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And I used to work till like 9, 10. I was running GTM at the startup. I used to work until 9, 10. One week I started going home at six. And I get this email saying, hey, I used to like it when you're on the office till nine or 10. Why are you going home at six? Your wife is a resident in, in medicine at a very crazy hospital. So she's working hundred hours a week anyway. What do you need to go home for? And that broke my heart. I'm like, what the hell did I just hear? What, do you, what my, do you want from me? Yeah. And, and you know, the reason I was going home was my parents were visiting and I hadn't seen them in a year. So yeah. they were visiting in town. That's why I was going home early. And that night when I got home, my co-founder Alex Popa, who came up with the idea for Boast AI, he called me and he's like, you know, maybe we should do a startup in this space. And I, I said, I don't care what we do, man. As long as we can build a company we want to work for, I'm in. And we did a couple of startups together, me and Alex, that didn't work out and, and Boast uh, did, did really well. So when we did Boast, actually, we started picking the phone and calling people to say, hey, buy my stuff, right? This is what we do, buy my stuff. Yeah. And, and what happened was nobody wanted to talk to us. Think about this. You're asking people to give you their intellectual property, their research and development, their product development data, and then you'll file some application and get the money from the government. Everyone's like, this sounds shady, right? Mm -hmm. Or big four accounting firms are doing this. So why should I trust you? And I'm like, oh, if we keep pounding the phone calls, it's going to be suffering. The one thing we have as a common is as a function of working in the startup community, we know a lot of people. And this yeah. was a time where podcasts didn't exist people weren't sharing tactical advice and all the conference was very high level stuff. Mm -hmm. So we're like, what if we invited a CEO speaker we knew of a successful company and behind the scenes started doing meetups and got them to share advice on exactly like how I got my first customers, how I have hired yeah. people, how I AB tested a campaign, how I launched this XYZ channel, how I got like into all the media outlets, like all those very tactical things. And so we started hosting these meetups. And now the conversation, the email went from saying, hey, don't buy, not buy my stuff, but hey, Simone, uh, I'm hosting an event with XYZ speaker who's going to talk about this topic. We only have 10 spots. 
there's going to be free pizza. Would you be willing to come to our co-working space? Everyone said yes. So the first meetup, 10 people showed up. Then the next meetup, like 15. Word of mouth started spreading like that Gulf War incident, not quite at that level. And then one day, man, we hosted this event at the co-working space. And we had a, a speaker from Silicon Valley um, and investor, big investor from Silicon There are 200 people who showed up to this co-working space. And the GM of the co-working space after, she's like, bro, you can't to run a conference in the co-working space under the guise of a pizza. This is not pizza night anymore, right? Like taking yeah. over all the chairs and tables and like, it's disruptive. You're, you're taking over my co-working space. <laughs> <laughs> so over time, so those meetups evolved into the traction community. And we started with in-person. I'm truly a big believer in in-person. If you look at Harley Davidson to HubSpot to Red Bull, some of the most iconic brands, mm -hmm. they have they have made in-person a core of their community DNA. Because think about it. Now we're sound and sight, right? We're online. But if we were doing this in London or Dubai or San Francisco, then we're hanging out. Maybe we're having drinks after. Maybe we're having dinner after. We get to know each other's family. So anytime you incorporate more than two senses, you start bringing, building stronger connections. And so we started doing these meetups and we started getting to know people very personally. And what happens is when you don't have a brand on your own, but you associate with a speaker that has a brand, you get their brand rub or you get their yeah, credibility your, your brand, rub. Your brand, your brand grows by association in that case. So you're associating yourself with that speaker. And so people, they can interact with you in a different way. When you're exactly. So now you build credibility. And, and mm -hmm. a lot of what we do as entrepreneurs just starting out is there's like three steps here, right? Visibility, credibility, and then profitability. You got to be visible as much as you can, volume right? Be everywhere, be seen and be credible, associate, have integrity and be credible, right? Provide valuable information. If you keep doing that cycle, the compound interest in that will lead to you making money. So over time, people are like, oh, why should we work with big four firms? Or like, these guys are good guys. So we'll trust you to give you our data and, and share our personal information. And it started working out. Now, ultimately, if, we, if our product failed or our service failed, or we didn't deliver the outcome, because customers want an outcome, they don't want, they, they, then everything else falls flat. But the community plus having a good offering that worked made us like, Makes know, helped a, us it's, boost. It's a winning combination. So I want to get some, some lessons here for everyone who is listening right now because one, there is a, the, the start by creating strong relationship. Then there is the branding by association. It's about bringing people together with something which is not with a message, which is not, hey, buy my product. But the message is, hey, we have this space. You might be interested in this topic. Why don't you exactly? Come? So you're creating a safe space for people to get to know you instead of straight away asking people to trust you with their money. Now, while you were talking, this is exactly how we started GTEx. Like literally, is the thinking and everything on how we started GTEx, building to an event company. And then we are running like more than 200. We did more than a thousand events in five years. We are running two to three events every single week, like clockwork. And that's how we build our company. We build our brand in London. But I have a question for you now, because you said it's about in person. But the world is a bit different now. A lot of the interactions, they happen online. And building communities online is very different compared to building communities in person. The level yeah, of I'm not saying... change. I so that's what exactly. I want to know from you. That's what I want to know from you is like for someone that uh, is not as fortunate enough to live in a big city, 
because I live in London, you live now in Dubai, you live in a big city, San Francisco, it's easy to create this in-person event. I'm living in the middle of nowhere, but I need to build my online community. What have you found that works for people to grow communities online and what's the difference? Definitely. So I'm not saying, so I'll, I'll walk through a few thoughts, right? So the funny thing is when we started when Boast, I was, although I was living in San Francisco, my co-founder was in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, which is, which is a very small community. And we yeah. started bringing, doing events there. So what I'm saying is you cannot get away from online. You must do online. But every time you do an in-person, it turns that online magic into like supercharged, right? Like it, it basically brings the bonding even better. Um, or it supercharges the bonding from online. So what I found that works is actually, you know, take, it, take it all the way back, is like, first, you got to figure out your ICP, right? And identify their pains. Like, where do they eat, breathe, drink, sleep? What are the aspirations? What are their goals? How you can and help them? people that don't know what ICP is, ICP I, is... I, 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 thanks for asking that. Ideal customer profile. Who is okay. your customer? Who are you looking to serve? right? Who, what is your ideal customer profile? This underserved niche, identify their pain points. Customers care about outcomes. They don't care about products or services, right? People care about like what they will become. What are their aspirations? What are their goals? What are their problems? So you got to understand that. So once you have this nailed down, then you can write down the three circles of influence around them. So who are the influencers? Build that circle of influencers. One is all the influencers they follow. So write a list of who do they follow, right? So with us, it was entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. Who do they follow? Who are the influencers? So I can, these are all the people I can invite as guests to my meetups, to my podcasts, to my webinars. What channels do they frequent? Meaning where do they hang out, right? So are they on LinkedIn? Are they on TikTok? Do they read TechCrunch? All of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And then the last one is, what are the services and tools they pay for? So who are all the vendors? Like, do they use Stripe? Do they use Notion? So you can build partnerships with those people. So once yeah. you have your ICP, then the second thing is figuring out, now that you understand the pains really well, the second thing is figuring out what kind of community you want to build. There's three kinds of communities you can build. One is a community of practice. Are you familiar with HubSpot at all? Uh, yes, familiar, definitely familiar with HubSpot, yes. So, you know, HubSpot in 2004 or five, before they even had the software, they started putting out a lot of content around inbound marketing, right? And, they had, and they was, had the best, they had the best guides. They had some of the best guides on content marketing ever. Like I, I downloaded so many of the HubSpot guides. They were so good. Yeah, they were so good. I actually, so what happened was I had just graduated from engineering back then. And I had asked an entrepreneur, what's the best skill I, I should have if I wanted to be an entrepreneur someday? And he said sales and marketing. So I couldn't get a job, obviously, in sales, right? Because I had no experience. And then people are like, 2004, this awkward engineer, 2004, five. So I begged my way into getting a job doing cold calling. And then I worked my way to, you know, from cold calling to then being sales, then being in product and, and working at early startups. And so when I, the, the second startup I joined, they're like, you know, I joined as a sales engineer, but they're like, that's just a title. You're actually doing everything. You have to figure out, talk to customers, figure out what to build, also sell them, then also build a website and everything. So I'm like, okay, now I got to learn 
and that was a time of offline marketing, but everything I learned about marketing was from HubSpot because I searched SEO with video creation, all of this. So they had the inbound marketing certification. And that's when I heard of Gary Vaynerchuk. I mean, he was a chubby little guy with the Vine TV and he was running a course on how to master YouTube. So I learned a lot of that stuff back then. So the thing, I joined HubSpot's inbound community and started going to local events in like mm -hmm. small places, like, you know, in, in the middle of nowhere, New Jersey, <laughs> in the US. And, and so I became part of that. So that was a community of practice. A community of practice is about learning together, bringing people to learn about a specific field so they can get better at it. The next mm -hmm. one is community of product. This is where you turn customers into evangelists. This is about coming together around your product, right? Right. And and like if it's an Atlassian, how do I use the product better? Or if it's that's about Harley Microsoft, Microsoft yeah. uh, for example, that's how do we use the Microsoft mm -hmm. suite and they, they become their product. Exactly. Okay, got it. Or or like, you know, some communities, some products have good communities which do both, like Red Bull, right? Like it's also about, it's not quite about Red Bull, but it's a community of play kind of thing. But like Harley Davidson, is it about Harley Davidson? Yeah, they have groups where you can fix and modify Harleys, but it's all about hanging out. So the third I mean, community I mean, is community. I'm in the basketball space and Nike does this in a great way. Yeah, they have the uh, Nike running clubs. The, the running clubs, uh, they sponsor basketball tournaments, uh, they create exactly. basketball courts, uh, and they were exactly. all branded Nike, but then it's about bringing that com the local community together to play basketball. So, and that is the third kind of community. That's the community mm -hmm. of play. So community of practice, community uh -huh. of product, community of play, right? If you don't have product market fit, do not build a community of product because people are going to think you're trying to sell them something. So if you go back to the boast example, our ICP, our ideal customer, were entrepreneurs who are building tech products. What we were doing, we were getting them money from the government, right? Mm -hmm. Now, we went that further because we want to understand what their aspiration was. Because people don't care about your product. They care about their aspiration. Why do they want money to fund their product development? Why do they want to uh, develop products to grow their business? Why do they want to grow their business? To create some downstream impact. And so our purpose went from being automating tax credits to enabling innovators to change the world because every dollar spent in innovation returns 20 to the economy. Vaccines, robots, clean drinking water is a function yeah. of innovation. But the issue is 99% of the innovations die on the vine. And in the last 15 years, more than 50% of the Fortune 500 companies have evaporated because they don't know how to innovate effectively. And so we said, our job is to help innovators change the world and as a function of our existence, they will be successful and we'll do that by giving them money for innovation, innovation funding and know-how. So focus on the aspiration, right? So the know-how is what we build the community around. We weren't talking about R&D tax credits and government funding. We were talking about how do you innovate faster? How do you grow your company? How do you get your first customers? How do you do product development better. So we started building this community of practice around the know-how of building innovation and innovative mm -hmm. companies, right? So figure out that community of practice, product, or play. If you don't have a product that you have hundreds of people using, at least a hundred people using, then you can't, you can't grow your market. Nobody's going to come. Like for an obscure tech product that nobody knows about, would you go and hang out there to learn about that product? Probably not. No, product... no, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't. So I can hear you saying, so three communities, community of product, uh, community of practice, and community of play. And exactly. depending on your business model and what you need, 
then uh, you can decide which type of community I want to start. Um, it, it, From- when I started, yeah, I was just saying when I started GTEx, uh, for us, uh, it was the community of practice because it was about bringing people together with external speakers like you did, and then uh, launch uh, the business as an event company. And then from the spin-off, creating our mastermind and training based on what our members needed. Uh, What I would love to know, because I know we're jumping a bit, but what I would love to know now, let's say that you have set up your community. And by the way, do you talk about this in your book? Because I know you have a book that is coming up. So do you talk about this in the book? Yeah, I talk about, so in the book, what happened was after I left the day-to-day operations of Boast AI, we sold half the company and brought in new leadership and I had all the free time in the world. And the funny thing is the investors who bought half the company also came to a community event and that's how they met me and, and my co-founder. And, and so after that, I, I had all this free time and I said, you know, I was reflecting back on my journey and I said, every time in my life, the community has been helpful. So the slums, the Gulf War, bootstrapping boast with this traction community and then they you know making money when the investors buying us and then after i left the company i had a period where i got depressed because i left my baby and built my identity around the company but then one day i hopped on the peloton bike and i got so attached to the peloton community that they brought me to good health i feel yeah. uh, and you know made me fit so i felt like i needed to tell the world about the power of community people is what drives businesses and cultures and the world forward, not products and technologies. Products and technologies are enablers. And especially in the world of generative AI, I think this is a message that everyone needs to hear that ultimately success in the world lies in people. And and so I talk about 13 uh, rules to build iconic brands with community-led growth. I talked to thousands of people and just asked the same question over and over and over again and pulled out a 13-step framework from it. I cannot wait to, to read the book and uh, everyone can, you can go on the website, which is lloydlobo.com. Uh, you can find all the information there. The link is also going to be in the show notes, or you can just scroll down and then find the information. Uh, what, I, what I would love to know now uh, is uh, uh, about selling to the community. That's what I would Definitely. love to know. Because Definitely. Uh, you, you want to say something else? No, no, no. Go on, go on. Sorry. So, because community is a relationship game. That's what community is. You're building a relationship with people. And of course, there needs to be a balance between how much community building, because I've seen a lot of people that they build communities that don't make any money because they are just serving them without asking anything in return. It's not strategic. And then other people on the other spectrum that they build a community and then they burn the bridges because they sell to them all the time. And so people now feel, oh, you just wanted to sell me something you don't really care about be as an individual so how do you strike the balance to selling well to a community first business definitely you know i wanted to finish the question on um on the online community because i I went down this path so 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 i'll close that out and then i'll go into this but i 100 percent agree if you keep doing charity (laughs) then you will not sustain right you will you'll go bankrupt and that's why a lot of communities fail but going back to this right once you once you know your icp you pick the kind of community you want to build you've now talked to maybe 50 100 people in your ideal customer profile to figure out their burning problems you write down 100 200 questions that your niche your audience has so you have a repository of ideas and say think about like if i had to write the ultimate guide to xyz what would be the chapters sub chapters and the topics it would include 
then you can start. This is a four-step framework, actually, that it's funny, but if you think about it, everyone from Christ to CrossFit has used this to become from unknown to iconic. Okay? This is very powerful when I say this. But everyone from Christianity and Christ to CrossFit has this common framework. Audience, community, movement, religion. Mm -hmm. Audience, yeah. community, movement, cult, right? So people listen to you. So now you mm -hmm. have these burning questions and you know where these people hang out. Start creating content for them mm -hmm. on different channels where they hang out most prevalent. So if you do a webinar, record that webinar, turn the audio into YouTube, put it on e-webinar, yeah. uh, turn the video sorry, into YouTube e-webinar, put the audio on podcast, slice it into shorts, write snippets for LinkedIn. But the key thing is consistency here. If you stop, you will fail, right? When we did those meetups, we never stopped. That's why it became a thousand person conference. When we started doing online webinars, we, we were doing two webinars a week live. And our mm -hmm. audience in two years went from 30,000 subscribers to 120,000 subscribers, but we never stop, right? So be consistent. You'll start seeing this audience come together, but still it's one way. I know people are commenting on your LinkedIn or on your Instagram, but it's still mostly one way, right? Yeah. One way communication. You talk, they listen. When you bring this audience together to interact with one another, not just you, it becomes a community. Now the kicker is when this community comes together to create impact, it becomes a movement. So mm -hmm. Harley Davidson in the 80s almost went bankrupt, okay? And, and they made community a company strategy, not a marketing strategy. Com community is not a marketing strategy. It's, it should be a company strategy. It had oversight from the president. Employees became writers. Writers became employees. They created writing clubs. Today, you can recognize a Harley fan just by what they're wearing, right? They do the Weekend 100%. Warriors. Yeah. But they came together to not only run a Save Harley campaign, but they ran many campaigns to save people from breast cancer, to raise funds for breast cancer, for autism, all these things. So it became a movement. Eventually, when your movement has rituals and beliefs that they cannot waver from, it turns into a cult or a religion like CrossFit mm -hmm. or Bitcoin. And you argue with them and they'll cut you, right? So a key part of this interaction is definitely offline, but a lot you can do online. And, and that is the thing we're in 2023, leverage the online. And so if you're, if, you're, if you're on there, open your Zoom webinars to make it live interactive online meetup. That's what we did, two live webinars a week. And we have five, 600 people joining twice a week. Initially, you know, don't get deterred when I say five, 600 people joining twice a week. That shouldn't be your benchmark. When we started, we had, think about it, right? Five, 10 people. And mm -hmm. then we kept doing it, right? Now, audience is interacting yeah. with one another. This we never did, but um, a chat group on WhatsApp or Discord or Slack, if your audience is hanging out, because the chat is very, very hard to moderate and we chose not to do it. But I'm yeah. a part of a lot of WhatsApp groups, a couple of Discord groups, a couple of Slack groups, and they can work really well. Newsletter, rather than sending a boring ass newsletter once a month, send one every week to remind them of what's happening in your community and let them respond. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is, enable bi-directional conversation online. Right. So yeah. if you're interacting with your community, say every day is a chat group, every week is an online webinar, 
Every other week is uh, every week is also a newsletter. Every other week is maybe a podcast. Then once a month you can do a meetup. Then once a quarter you can do a retreat. Once a year you can do a conference. So the online, uh, you know, the, between the big conferences or between the meetups, there are the valleys between the peaks. Yeah. And and you fill the valleys with actually interaction and engagement. And that, that's that makes the one to that combo. makes sense. Thank thank you for answering that question because uh, now we're going to move into the sales part and then we'll wrap up the interview. But when uh, we um, uh, this is uh, mainly the difference that when you are offline, that energy, that exchange, and that relationship is building much faster. While online, it takes a bit longer. And that's the key part at the beginning, as you explained, which is the content that you create. Because uh, unless uh, people are interested in you and what you're going to say, they will very unlikely interact with you back. But they're following you, they like your content, and now they can be going to a space where actually they want to be with you and also engage with you, which now leads into the building of the relationship and then strengthening the community. So I love, I love the process and I love also the four steps that you just shared. Uh, I'll make sure that they're going to be as well listed in the show notes. Now, this is my last question. Uh, and for everyone who hasn't checked, I wanted to also recommend people to go to lloydlobo.com. You can see the, the show notes. Uh, the book is coming out soon. So make sure you check out the website. Uh, Lloyd, the question, last question I have, as I mentioned, is that how do you sell to a community without either burning the community or going the other way where you don't sell enough, where now you're not monetizing it? So what is your approach to still keep the community alive, solid, and monetizing it at the same time. I think one of the key things is that there's two ways, there's multiple ways to monetize a community. But let's say you're a community where you build a community of practice, but you have a brand like HubSpot or Gainsight or you know those, those two, Gainsight build a customer success community. You're just giving, giving, giving. The key thing though, as a community leader, if community is a strategy for you, you cannot expect monetization on day one. It takes a long time. And for Boast, what we did was the one-two punch, right? Is we started hosting a lot of events. And then we have a sales team who acted more like community managers. How can I help you? Is there something I can help with? Um, what can I connect you with? We also have a product that does this in a very subtle way. So you're not blatant, right? So you're not being like, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. You came to my event, buy my stuff. You're not doing that. But you're basically, ultimately, what is sales? Sales is not shoving something down somebody's throat. Sales is understanding a need to find a fit, right? There's these things, budget, authority, need, time frame, fit. To understand, is there a mutual fit? And then you have the conversation and take it to a win-win outcome. What a community does, and this is where a lot of community leaders don't nurture the community for sales because they feel like, oh, I don't want to sell to them. But actually, you're helping them. They came to you for a reason. The community opens the door for you. You're like, hey, man, um, you know, this is a product we offer. You think it could fit within your company or do you know anyone who could uh, be using it? They're like, sure, I'd love to help you. Our company could use it. Well, I know two other people who can help you. I'd love to refer you, right? You have to just ask without being awkward in a, in a very authentic way. And if you've been giving, giving, giving to your community, 100% people give back. You've probably experienced this, Simone, haven't you? Like you're a community leader. You have I a did. successful business. I did. I totally experienced that. And when uh, it is about building the relationship first and then say, hey, also, this is how we can support you. Do you have this problem? This is how we can provide the solution. And then also putting them in touch with other people and uh, building building that network. Um, the one thing that I found uh, 
it worked the most for us uh, on on a sales level as well, um, which is something that you mentioned earlier, is to keep interaction, interacting people within the community. So when someone would join our community, we would recommend them or connect them straight away to one of our paying clients. So now they have a connection with someone who is uh, already inside. And most of the time, the conversation naturally happens from them asking someone else, hi, but what do you think about GTEx? How is their mentoring? How are their services? But they will ask them this kind of question and they will not ask them directly to me or someone on the sales team. So that has been uh, having uh, the member to member exchange and interaction and as part of the sales process, uh, as one important step, that was one thing that made a huge difference for us, for example. Definitely, right? So this is when you have a product and your community is a community of practice or a play where you don't want to be blatant. You're having conversations because ultimately think about it, right? Boast AI sells to entrepreneurs, okay? Yeah. Now, entrepreneur doesn't just need my service. The entrepreneur needs access to VCs. They need access to tools, lawyers, bankers. They need mentors. So when we, when our sales team goes in the community and goes to events or talk to people, they understand their situation. Say, hey, I know somebody. You become a broker of resources. That's what a great yes. salesperson yeah. is. You yes. become, oh, I know somebody. Oh, I can connect you with a lawyer, an accountant. My brain is wired such that anytime I meet somebody, I try to look for a signal on what I can connect them with. Hmm. And as soon as I leave, leave that meeting, I try to make that connection for them. And you do that two, three times, then it becomes easy when you need to ask, like, oh, by the way, we also offer this. Or yeah. we partner with XYZ vendor to offer such a service. If you Could you use ours too? Or do you just need an intro to them? It's very easy, but people feel dirty to ask, right? Like, oh yeah, we could use that. And by the way, if, if it's a great bundling discount, we'll use you as well. Phenomenal, right? Now, it, if it you... Yeah. yeah, so if now if you don't have that product, but you have a community, then of course the standard stuff like Harley does memberships to the Harley owners group. You can do events like Saster and you host charge for events. Uh, services, there's NAS studios, which charges for services, courses like Duolingo, sponsorships, advertising. Once you have an engaged audience, man, there's many ways to monetize. because exactly. you wanna... that's and, and that's what you're doing with it. Like you're building the strongest and most connected part of your audience. Huh? Uh, that's why I want to, I recommend everyone to get your book because I can see I can see that uh, th there is so much here that you have and so much knowledge about community building strategies of community sales that uh, this is just the tip of the iceberg of the interview. So to wrap up, uh, tell us a bit more about the book and what people can expect, where people can find it. And uh, yeah, let's let's go with that. Definitely. So the book will be on from grassroots to greatness.com or on lloydlobo.com. Either site works. I, I please note that my name has an E in it. It's, it's a typical British name, Lloyd with an E. And I asked my mom, I got bullied as a kid, man, for having an E in the name. Everyone's like making fun of my name. I'm like, why did you do it? She's like, I always aspired that you'd be an entrepreneur someday. And maybe you want to trademark your name and you wouldn't be able to do it with a generic Lloyd name. So I'm like, I'm like, you willed it into existence. She's genius. <laughs> Genius. Yes. <laughs> she, she, she tells me that. So it's, it's going to be, the book's going to be on there. And uh, there's 13 rules to build iconic brands with raving fans, with topics all the way from figuring out first, you know, 
there's a framework that I didn't talk about on this call. It's called CAMPER. CAMPER stands for Connection, Autonomy, Mastery, Purpose, Energy, Recognition. And the reason I started with Unleashing Camper is because if you don't have the DNA for giving and bringing people together, you will fail at doing something. Because you know the, the saying is, if you do things you don't love, eventually you will not draw joy from it and you'll stop. So the first thing is figuring out that can you align with the camper values of connection, autonomy, mastery, purpose, energy, recognition? Can you have this DNA of giving, right? And helping other people. It's very important. Or hire somebody. But just don't go and jump into the community and say, I want to do it. And then you try to over monetize it and you realize anytime you do things that are not in line with your personal values, it will not sustain for the long haul. So we start there. And then it's about picking your community model, discovering your purpose, setting an inspiring goal, figuring out who your ideal customers are, nailing one channel, then scaling it, creating aha moments, building unforgettable experiences, then collaborating with your community, finding your champions and rewarding them, how to make your community sticky, how to be consistent. And then the last thing is measure and monetize. And if you see measure and monetize at the end of those 13 rules, because ultimately it's visibility, credibility, and then profitability. If you help enough people get what they want, you'll get everything you want. And you know, one, one comment I want to make on this is I, I always said it to my, my team is people build companies, people build cultures, people build communities, people build the world. If you treat people with love and help them grow, they'll treat your business with love and your business will grow, right? Um, so, so fall in love with the people and help them become successful beyond the product or service. Profitability is the outcome yeah. of treating people with love and helping them grow. Your job as a leader is to build, inspire, and motivate people to deliver, right? Deliver comes at the end. This is a this is this this entire interview has been pure gold. So I I I everyone you've been watching or listening, now get on the get the book. Go on the website lawlawbook.com. Get the book and then re-listen to the interview again because I'm sure that's I'm gonna do it as well because there are definitely so many gems here uh, on starting a community, different types of community, growing the community, monetizing the community, building strong relationships. Listen to it again because this interview has been full of gold. So, Lloyd, thank you very much for being on the Expert to Authority show. It has been an absolute pleasure, and this interview has been outstanding, incredible. Thank you so much, man. Thanks for hosting me. And apologies, I had like some interruptions here and there, awkward pauses or something. I'm I'm sorry about that. If I cut no, you, no, it's a, it's all good. It's all good. And uh, if you've been watching or listening, uh, make sure you leave us a review. Uh, of course, five stars is good for the guest. It's good for the show. It's good for my ego. And also subscribe if you haven't subscribed. I cannot wait to see you next time. And always remember that together we grow exponentially. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Explode Your Expert Business Show. If you enjoyed the interview, please subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Every week we will select a winner from the reviews that we get. So it might be you. Make sure you give us a review. It means the world to us and that's how we, you can help us grow the show. Also remember to download the expert business checklist to get the roadmap on how to become an authority in your field. The link is in the show notes or you can visit gtex.events forward slash expert iPhone checklist. So it's gtex.events forward slash 
expert-checklist. And as well, finally, if you want to receive daily support in your coaching and speaking business or explore how we can work together, join our private Facebook group, Explode Your Expert Biz. Again, you can find it on Facebook at Explode Your Expert Biz or the link is in the show notes. Thank you very much for listening. And until next time, remember that together we grow exponentially.